in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So far, the text, and after the proclamation, let us respond in song. Let us sing from hymn 44, stanzas 1, 2, and 5. congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I'm sure we have all heard the words of the Bible song I've got joys 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 down in my heart beautiful little song beautiful words but do these words ring true in our lives would you and I consider ourselves to be truly joyful living each day in great joy before the Lord. Well, I'm not talking here about the taste and smile on your face kind of joy. The kind of joy that lasts until we get in our cars here in the parking lot. No, I'm talking here about the deep and abiding Christian joy, even as, even as yes, we face struggles and challenges each and every day. After all, is not joy one of the fruits of the Spirit that needs to be very much evident in our everyday lives? Really, we have reason to rejoice and give thanks every day. And yes, this is what the Lord God all day in our text from this morning calls us to do. Is to rejoice in Him always. Now you might be thinking, how can we speak of rejoicing in the Lord always? Giving Yes, joyful thanks to him in all circumstances. How can we do this? Rejoice in the Lord always when we or our loved ones face serious illness. When those who through the years with us have just died. When we're anxious about the spiritual direction of our teens, our young adult children. When we have serious struggles in our marriage. Having a hard time making ends meet. When we as children or teens may be being bugged at school. And we literally want to have a boyfriend or girlfriend but aren't finding one. Really, how is it possible to rejoice in the Lord always? To be filled with joyous thanksgiving. Well, beloved, let us look at God's word this morning to find out how and why. So God's word then comes to you this morning, summarized under this theme. The Lord exhorts us to rejoice in him always. We shall see what this means with respect to him, with respect to others, and lastly with respect to ourselves. For if the Lord exhorts us to rejoice in him always, we'll see what this means with respect to our Lord, with respect to others, with respect to ourselves. This congregation, our text of this morning begins with the Lord exhorting us, yes, to rejoice. Actually, this call to rejoice, you can say, is a recurring theme in this letter to the Philippians. In fact, this letter is known as the New Testament letter of joy. You can say rejoicing is the dominant theme of this letter. Where else don't we read 
this letter about joy or rejoicing or similar words. In fact, some 16 times in this short letter, these words are mentioned. They're culminating, then you can say, in that exhortation as we find it there in the first verse of our text, to rejoice in him always. This is what the Apostle Paul did himself. There in chapter 1, the imprisoned Apostle Paul wrote, I will continually rejoice. Because the Apostle was a truly joyful Christian. And he also hoped to be with these believers in Philippi so that their joy in Jesus Christ would, would overflow. And what's more, he encouraged the believers there to make his joy complete by, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and, and purpose. And so these believers were to be glad and rejoice with Paul, as we can read in chapter 2. And they were also called to welcome one of Paul's fellow workers in the Lord with, with great joy. Really, their lives, too, were to be lives of joyful thanksgiving for God. And so then also at the end of the letter, we have this exhortation to them and to all believers, all to go out today to rejoice in the Lord always, because this is the Lord's command. Rejoicing is not optional for us as believers. The circumstances of life do not determine whether we will rejoice. Because what the Apostle Paul is speaking about here is a permanent joy, an ongoing joy, an abiding joy. Now this may strike us as, as unusual or if not impossible. But get real. We must rejoice always. Joy and love is primarily a matter of our feelings, spontaneous emotions. These, by definition, cannot be commanded. They, they, as we say, simply happen. Yet, beloved, this is a distortion of what God teaches in his word. We are able, yes, to rejoice, not just when we feel good, when things go well for us in everyday life, but there is to be, beloved, a real rejoicing with us no matter what we feel even when there are trying circumstances in life. Because this was the case with the Apostle Paul. You may wonder how Paul could say that he would continually rejoice when he can exhort his fellow believers to do the same, to look at Paul and his life circumstances. Put yourself in his sandals for a moment. When Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison in Rome wasn't free to go wherever he wished at the time. And the future of his life here on earth was far from certain. On the occasion he found himself, do you think, not made for great joy, but rather for great anxiety and, and concern. And I should have mentioned, he said, for the church of Philippi. The believers in this church, like any other church at that time, had their trying circumstances they faced the threats of, of their opponents, the evilists, the Judaizers, who insisted that, that the believers be physically circumcised, but there were also those on the opposite side. There were the, the libertines who lived according to the flesh, who said to these believers, do whatever feels good to you. You can see that this would create even confusion and concern. And they were also worried about what would happen. 
happened to the apostle Paul in prison there in Rome? Would this faithful servant of Jesus Christ be released to freedom? Or would he die a martyr's death? And then there was also the concern about a growing disunity in, in the church of Philippi. Because of a real lack of humility among the members of this church, there was a growing disunity. And then there were those two sisters we read there about in the beginning of chapter 4 who were not in agreement as they should have been. And yet in the face of all these trying and difficult circumstances, they were commanded to rejoice in the Lord always. And that same commandment even comes to us. To rejoice in the Lord always. Even also in the face of our difficult and trying circumstances of life. As we too may rejoice in the Lord, even, yes, even when we're facing serious illness and disease. Even when we're not sure about the direction our, our unmarried children, our teenage children are, are choosing. Even when we struggle with the effects of old age. As we may rejoice, even when we may have no friends at school or few friends. Rejoice even when the memory of perhaps a brief visit with Bob or Doug. We may rejoice when we have to deal with the shortage of money to be paying the bills. We may rejoice and realize, beloved, our joy does not depend on changing circumstances, but it depends on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who does not change. The one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, yes, we may rejoice in him always. Our joy is not based in our feelings alone. Not based in our family, personal, business, or world circumstances. No, our joy comes by faith in our Lord and Savior. Being united with him. Having a living bond with him. Remember what Jesus Christ said while he was still here on earth. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And so, yes, we have been grafted into Christ, the vine by faith. And yes, such a living union and communion with Jesus Christ is absolutely necessary for each and every one of us. And so he is in us, and we are in him, and in him, yes, in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we stand righteous before our Father. In him we have the complete forgiveness of our sins. In him we have life everlasting. In him we have the spirit of renewal. In him we have everything for salvation. And in this way, Jesus Christ came to bring us, yes, true and abiding joy. before his death and resurrection. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one, no one will take away your joy. And so we may rejoice always, thanks to, yes, his work, thanks to his suffering, his death, his resurrection. Is that is why on Easter Sunday morn, our Lord Jesus Christ himself greeted the women with a most wonderful greeting there in Matthew 27, verse 9, we literally read, he greeted them by saying, Rejoice! 
imagine him coming and simply saying to them, rejoice. For what a beautiful way to begin. Repentance or worship or beautiful in our good morning or, or piety. And thanks be to God. We too may greet each other with the same words, rejoice. We may rejoice also when we sing here, when we pray here. We sing and pray at school, at home. But also when we go about living our everyday lives, then too we are to rejoice. And so you see, this is no superficial joy we're talking about. It's only outward joy. It only shows itself when things go well. No, we're talking here about deep and inward joy, an abiding joy of faith in Jesus Christ. And we as Christians can be joyful within, even when our life circumstances are all dark and depressing, even when we're suffering greatly, when things are really rough for us, we may rejoice in the Lord, knowing that in all things indeed He works for our good. And so let us have, yes, this inner joy within us, even when our world be turned all upside down. And as the Apostle Paul wrote, let us say it again. And so I have to be continually filled with joy in the Lord. So to live this life of our ever-increasing joy, we say that joy should be the hallmark of our everyday lives. How can we show this joy each and every day again? Not just on some rare occasion. But let us show our joy with respect to others, and that brings us to our second point. The Apostle Paul went on to write, let your gentleness be evident to all. Now this command to let your gentleness be evident to all is connected to the command given before, the command to rejoice. We say it reinforces that command to rejoice in the Lord. And that says true Christian joy is, is not inward looking. It's by concentrating upon the needs of others continue to experience great joy. And that is why earlier on in this letter, the Apostle Paul commanded the Philippians to look out not only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. Indeed, there's a great joy that comes in serving others, in being there for others, showing love to others. And so, yes, God comes here with this command to us as believers to let our gentleness then be evident to all. This word gentleness is not really fully expressed the meaning of the word used here in the original. So this word is technically hard to translate. Perhaps it better be said here, yes, let our, our big heartedness, our, our kindness, our charitability, our graciousness be, be shown to all. That those who really live in the true joy in Jesus Christ are not focusing on themselves and their own needs. They're not all wrapped up in their own life circumstances. They will not insist in their own way, on their own rights. Let's go my way or the highway. Instead, we're more willing, willing yes, to put others before ourselves. We're outward looking. We're filled with a spirit of sacrifice and denial and humility. This makes, yes, for peaceful relations with others. It makes for joyful harmony with those around us. And realize, yes, then this gentleness 
This graciousness is not just to be shown to, to those who we like, to those who may be our friends. As it says here in our text, it is to be shown to all. No picking and choosing here. Also, yes, those fellow church members who may disagree with as this was the case there in the congregation of Philippi. Those two female members mentioned there in the beginning of chapter 4. Maybe be gentle and big-hearted to, to those who agree with you. But what about those who do not? Even those who, who oppose you. Those who know that you will you will rejoice in the Lord and will not be self-absorbed, but we will have an outward focus. We'll be gentle, we'll be charitable and gracious to those around us and showing to them, yes, the true joy we have in our Lord God. So you might be wondering, why do we need to be so gentle, so big-hearted to those around us? Well, as it says here in our text, because the Lord is near. Enough to be 
the anxious about today, especially when things are changing and we don't know what will happen in the future. When we think even about the great day of the Lord Jesus' return, as I mentioned before, a number of things which make us very anxious and worried. Be anxious to earn enough to provide for our families. Anxious about the survival of our business. Anxious about our health and the health of our loved ones. Anxious about the spiritual well-being of the next generation. Will they remain faithful to God? Will they remain faithful members of his church? anxious about all kinds of things. Very easy to become yes, worry ones. Completely stressed out about our worry, about our anxiety, and it can and it can show in a variety of ways. We can suffer from sleeplessness, stay awake at night, suffer from ulcers and headaches, come short, impatient with each other, lash out at others in anger. from worry. As the Lord Jesus also exhorts us here, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. See, for the Apostle Paul, he used different words to describe prayer, four different kinds of words. He speaks of prayer, petition, thanksgiving, is a many-sided description of prayer. It really tells us the importance of prayer. It tells us what prayer is really all about. Prayer is about speaking to God, pouring out our hearts before Him, spreading out before Him our many needs, detailing our situation, our anxieties, our concerns. There's all those different words describing point here, I guess, point out the need to be be very clear before the Lord what our needs are, our concerns, and we need to be very specific in our requests. We need to be concrete in our petitions. No need to just say to God in prayer, please help us. For the Lord wants to hear it all. All that is on our mind, whatever bothers us and concerns us and worries us, how truly blessed we are to have this communion with him, to communicate with him, to, to speak to our Heavenly Father in prayer. This whatever causes us much anxiety, where it can be laid out right before him. We can unburden ourselves before him. Indeed, cast all your anxieties on him, for he, he cares for us. Lay it out. control of all things, who rules over all things. Nothing also in our lives lies outside of his control and direction. For he is indeed the all-knowing and truly all-loving God and Father of each and every one of us. We are his children, and we can fully trust that he will work all things for our good. For he knows our needs. He knows what really is best for each and every one of us. That is why sometimes he gives us what we think we don't need. Remember, he knows our hearts and our lives better than we do ourselves. And 
This is why the Lord Jesus swore, commanded us not to worry about our life or what we shall eat or what we shall drink or about our bodies, what we shall wear. Let's place our trust in no one else but our Heavenly Father. For what is really anxiety, it's not trusting in our God and Father, but trusting in oneself. And let us look away from ourselves. Let us look to Him. Cast our burdens on Him, the assurance that He will take care of us, that He will sustain us and provide for us. For the Lord our Father is ever faithful to His word of promise. He does provide, He has our good in mind. That is why it also says here, with thanksgiving, we venture into the presence of God. So let's thank God each and every day in our prayers. Every prayer we offer up, we include this thanksgiving. You say prayer without thanksgiving is like a bird without any wings. That prayer doesn't rise up to heaven. And so let us be continually thanking God for his many blessings. when we're worried and we're anxious we forget about what he has done for us and what he is doing for us in moments like when we would be well yet to remember the many blessings that are showered on us and then we should thank him specifically in prayer for all those blessings and it would be well to list them just one by one especially when we think nothing is going right in our own lives filled with anxiety about our sins and shortcomings we have committed sick with worry about what may come tomorrow when we acknowledge in prayer whatever our loving God sends us for a good we have always then reason for joy reason for thanksgiving to him we have reason to thank him for his incredible promises of his word the promise of salvation the blood and the spirit of Jesus Christ the promise of peace, inward peace. And when we are faithful to God's demand to pray, when we indeed present our request to God, there is indeed that wonderful promise of our God. And what is that wonderful promise? Well, as the Apostle Paul concludes here, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So indeed we need to pray to God for the peace of God. Because this peace originates with him. We're talking here about divine peace. Lasting and everlasting peace. How do we receive this peace? We receive it through Jesus Christ. Through him who is the prince of peace. This is why Jesus Christ came to earth. To bring peace. That is to reconcile us with our God and Father. For it's our sins that drove us away from him. That broke the bond with him causes us so much worry and anxiety. We wonder at times, will God, yes, will God forgive us all those sins? Will he forgive me for all those horrendous and offensive sins we have committed against him and one another? Sometimes we don't even dare mention them before him. What causes us to doubt are they, the question, are they really forgiven? Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness, there is reconciliation, there is by faith in him, our most foul offenses and sins were forgiven. Why are they forgiven? Because his life was put on the cross, justified by faith in him, fully atoned. 
until I go to Pilate. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God because we've been alive to the truth. Isn't that amazing? Knowing also that God takes care of all our needs, knowing that he works also within our hearts by the Spirit. This is a peace which comes through as you leave this place. Yes, later I'll give you the blessing of peace. And in this way you can truly go out into this new week filled with confidence and assurance. And yet this is a peace that transcends our understanding. It goes beyond our human understanding. Even as believers, we're never able to fully grasp the beauty of this gift of Jesus Christ. Really the full dimensions of God's love and care for us in Jesus Christ are beyond our human understanding. there in Philippi knew all about guarding. Guarding is what focus is within the will of God. Remember, Philippi was a Roman city, a military city. Many of the Philippians were retired soldiers. They were given land in the vicinity. They had shown the spirit to be in a military presence in the city. Well, it was not the, for the leaders of Philippi. the Lord God, who was guarding them as believers, that those who are indeed in Christ Jesus, they were guarding you, and he was guarding them with his incredible peace. If this is, beloved, the peace, which is the true antidote to any worry, any anxiety and concerns we may have, and this peace will indeed be mounted to the door of our hearts and our thoughts, guarding our hearts and our thoughts so as to prevent yes, doubts and anxieties and worries and the like from entering our hearts and minds and corroding that incredible comfort and security we have in Jesus Christ. For yes, apart from him, there is no guarantee of peace for us. And so let's go forward by faith in Jesus Christ. Let us enjoy the peace we have in him. And so may we rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again. Rejoice. Amen.